Welcome to another edition of the NFL Draft Preview Podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler, look, we're ripping the Band-Aid off. We were thrown a huge curveball because we had this episode in the can, a seven-round mock draft coming your way to your ears, courtesy of Dane Brugler. We had it. It was all edited up, ready to roll. And what happens? ESPN, Adam Schefter, bombshell. He says, trade work, agreed upon. Jets, Packers, Aaron Rodgers going to become a New York Jet. And that obviously had a ripple effect of the Jets draft capital. With that being said, let me paint the picture. Schefter reports, 15 and 13. That's a pick swap. So the Jets acquire pick 15. They give up pick 13. And in addition to that, in this year's draft alone, the Jets give up a six-round pick. They get a fifth-round pick, which means the Jets now have five total picks, one in round one. They also gave up pick 42. So they have pick 13. No, they don't. They have pick 15. See? It's doing me dirty already. They have pick 15. They have pick 43. They have one pick in the fourth round. They have two in the fifth round. That is it. We're going to break it down seven rounds. But first, Dane, what do you think about the trade? Are, are we happy with this from a draft compensation perspective? Yeah, and I need to have a have a talk with Joe, and you know he couldn't give us a heads up like this is uh, what was going to happen. But you know it's good that this happened now instead of draft night. We figured sometime uh, before Friday night this was going to come down, and so it, it you know they finally got together, got the deal done. It's great to see for the Jets. I mean, you're going for it. Um, you know, regardless of anyone's opinion about the cost, uh, the compensation. Uh, you know, they, the Jets now have a quarterback that uh, won, what, two of the last three MVPs, uh, a, a guy that is instantly makes the Jets um, a, a playoff contender, a realistic playoff contender. And how many different ways could they have done that this offseason? Not many. So this was, you know, shooting for the moon. They got it done. If you're a Jets fan, I mean, you're not thinking about you know, that next year's pick or you're, you're thinking about this year and uh, what this means for your team. And and now with the draft, it's not like they're completely out of it with the draft. Uh, they still have that first round pick. It's just two picks later. You still have that second round pick. You still have a few other picks. So that you still have a chance to get better this weekend and add to a team that you feel like is ready to go. The defense is ready to go. Uh, you drop in the quarterback with uh, Brees Hall coming back, with the the receiving core, the way uh, you know Garrett Wilson, the, all the promise he showed last year as a rookie. You add in Alan Lazard. Uh, the offensive line, uh, you know, is an area that's uh, right now looks great. Hopefully, it stays that way the rest of the year. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what this means. And to your point, I didn't bring it up. Part of the trade compensation is in the 2024 draft. It's a conditional second-round pick that if Aaron Rodgers plays at least 65% of the snaps in 2024, that then becomes a first-round pick, which for the Jets would probably be a good thing to have. Like, if you if you surrender your first-round pick, that means Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet in 2024. He plays at least 65% of the snaps. You would imagine the Jets would be in a good spot to at least be contending for a playoff spot at the very least in that case scenario. And if he doesn't play in 2024 or doesn't play at least 65% of the snaps in 2024, the Jets then keep their first-round pick and surrender a second-round pick. So all in all, Dane, you are a fan of the trade, obviously, for the player, but from a draft compensation perspective, you think the Jets are pretty protected well yeah i mean obviously it's a lot to give up I mean, this might be a first round pick next year um and, and if he doesn't play 65 percent of the snaps this year then uh you know that that second round pick next year probably gonna be a high pick um so you know it's something that 
it, it does it cost a lot yeah but it, it, when you're look at joe douglas general manager robert sala head coach uh, the quarterback position has been eluding you. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Zach Wilson in the future. But up to this point, that hasn't worked out. And so it, this was a swing to get them back in the playoff hunt. Uh, and again, I'll go back to it. What other move could they have made at quarterback this offseason that was going to put them in a better spot than to go get Aaron Rodgers? Yes, he's 39 years old. Yes, uh, you know, coming off in, uh, last year where he was a little banged up, uh, you know, injuries were a factor in maybe the the, the production not being uh, up to par with what we've known Aaron Rodgers to be. But still, this is a guy that it makes you and it puts you in the playoff hunt, even in the AFC, where it's you know that you look at the NFC East uh, alone with Buffalo. Uh, Miami's going to put up a lot of points on the board. Uh, New England's still uh, still there, and then everything else in the AFC. It's a tough uh, tough conference. But the Jets are squarely in the mix now, and I don't think there's any other quarterback move they could have made this offseason that would have uh, put them in a better spot than they are now. So, you know, you gave up what you gave up. But you had to do it to go for it this year and possibly next year. The other thing I think is important to bring up from a draft perspective in terms of who the Jets could draft, I don't really think this changes much at all because we were all operating under the assumption that the Jets quarterback question would be solved with Aaron Rodgers based on what he said on the Pat McAfee show. So only being two spots back from 13, it doesn't really change much. The only thing I would ask you before we get into the seven-round mock draft, for Joe Douglas now, when you're looking at how many picks the Jets have, they have five. They don't have a third-round pick. They have a one, a two, a four, and two fives. Do you think that this perhaps increases the likelihood of looking to trade back from 15 to try to recoup some value or even back from 43 to try to get some more players in as New York Jets? Yeah, potentially. I, I think that's uh, something that they'll look long and hard at. If you can get uh, another day two pick out of the mix and still stay in the first round, um, you know, it, it's this is a draft where you only have so many first round grades. And so conceivably, I'm sure the Jets have probably around 15 first-round grades. And so it, we'll see who's there at that number 15 pick. It might be a situation where they don't want to trade away from that player and say, let's stick and pick. Uh, but they might get a, a really attractive deal. Maybe one of the quarterbacks is still there. Maybe, you know, who knows how the board, first 14 picks will play out. Maybe they have a chance to move back and pick up uh, a couple day two picks. You know, who knows? So you're keeping the phone lines open. But I, I would real I could realistically see them staying and picking at 15 because there might be wiped out of first round grades if they move back any further. All right, so now let's get into the seven round mock draft. Throughout this whole process, yourself included, almost everybody had the Jets selecting a tackle at 13. Now that the Jets have 15, are you sticking with tackle or are we going with the little sneak attack? Call me unoriginal, uh, but I'm going Broderick Jones from Georgia, uh, the left tackle, 6'5 and a half, 310 pounds, uh, sweet feet. He's got length. Uh, he, he's still learning and getting better, but what he has right now, the traits that he offers, easy to get excited about that. Um, you know, he only played left tackle uh, at, at Georgia, but you think that he does have positional flex. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to like about. Uh, moving forward, the, the player he's going to grow into. If you, a lot of teams will say he has the biggest upside of any of these tackles this year, more than Paris Johnson, more than Peter Skaronsky, more than Darnell Wright. So with Broderick Jones, maybe there is a little more risk reward um, because he, again, he ha he is such a young player. He has the fewest number of snaps among all FBS tackles in this draft. 
Uh, and obviously that's not ideal, but he was, you know, did it for the back to back national champion. So he was playing uh, for a really good team at a high level and was a key cog in uh, in that machine, why they won uh, two national titles there uh, in Athens. So uh, with Broderick Jones, you have a guy that uh, is going to give you immediate depth as your third tackle. And then uh, assuming uh, something happens with one of the tackles, he's able to step in and, and help you uh, as a rookie. So that tackle depth, I think it lines up with what Joe Douglas likes, what he wants. And then also, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. You need to keep that guy upright and healthy, and Broderick Jones helps you do that. All right, so you're sticking put. Broderick Jones or a tackle to the Jets at 15. Now, do you think that the Packers at 13, used to be the Jets pick, or the Patriots at 14 could select a tackle there and maybe the Jets have a little bit of a slimmer pickings than they would have at 13? It's certainly possible. Uh, the, the Patriots sitting at 14 were the team that would give me a little bit of pause about maybe Broderick Jones not being there at 15. Uh, they, they have a big needed offensive tackle. We know uh, Bill Belichick is, uh, you know, loves to draft uh, linemen in the first round. So it, very well, we could see an offensive lineman off the board there at 14. And, you know, when does that offensive tackle run start? Uh, you know, could be in the top 10. You look at the Bears at nine. You look at the Eagles at 10, the Titans at 11, the Texans at 12, and then 14 with the Patriots. So uh, the, it, it is possible, at least. It, it's a realistic scenario that the Jets could, uh, you know, trading back even just two spots, could make the, put themselves out of reach of one of these uh, top tackles on their board. Uh, but, you know, this is a, a rich draft when it comes to pass rushers, when it comes to corners. We're going to see quarterbacks off the board pretty quickly. So I, I'm going to bet that one of those tackles is going to squeak through and be there for the Jets at number 15. Okay, curveball time. Pick 15, you know, at 13, I think everyone's saying, okay, you know, tackles. Let's say the run starts early. Let's mm-hmm. say the Jets don't go tackle. At pick 15, who is somebody or who are a couple people that you think could be in the mix at 15 that might have been just a little too early at 13? I don't know that there's, you know, because we're talking about two picks. So I don't think there's anyone that's like, okay, well, now we feel comfortable drafting this player. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it would be interesting uh, to see which positions get wiped out. Uh, you know, pass rusher, offensive linemen, corners. Uh, you know, which position is going to really look a, a lot different at 15 compared to 13? And it might be, uh, and if it is offensive linemen, then, uh, you know, let's look at on the defensive side of the ball, look at pass rusher. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's that's an area they might go. At, because, again, when you pick top 15, it's less about looking for that top need and more about just trying to find impact players. And so if they did uh, get wiped out with their offensive line options at number 15, I think you look at edge rusher and you look at a Nolan Smith uh, out of Georgia. You look at a Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. And I, I think there that might be uh, one of your best bets uh, to upgrade on the, on the defense, uh, an area that's already uh, an above average unit. You know, you look at where they ranked last year and uh, total defensive efficiency. I mean, they were top six in the league. Um, you know, this is a, 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 that side of the ball you feel good about, but you can never have too many edge rushers, especially when you're, this is a guy for the next four to five years not just about this year. So it will be interesting to see how Joe Douglas uh, kind of does his balancing act because we know with Aaron Rodgers now in the fold, this is a win-now team. This is you're going for it in 2023 and hopefully 2024. But at the same time, you don't want that to hold your pick hostage where you you have to make a draft pick 
that fits a need right away or a player that you want to come in right away and make an impact, you still want to take the best player for the short term and long term. And so it'll be really interesting to see how Joe Douglas plays it. All right. One more question before we move on to round two. What is like the full send move here? The Jets acquire Aaron Rodgers. They're at pick 15. You're like, you know what? We're going for it. Maybe not like the only comparison I can think of is the Rams, right? And Mm. they traded the farm essentially for their Super Bowl ring. And I think if you ask people in the Rams organization, they'd probably be pretty happy with that because it paid off. Now, which draft selection at pick 15, knowing what you know about the Jets roster, is the full send move where pushing all the chips to the middle of the table? You know, I I think that you're looking at uh, someone that's going to help you on offense, obviously, because, you know, we just got Sun saying how efficient that defense has been. So what about a Dalton Kincaid? You know, I know you have some good bodies at the tight end position. Dalton Kincaid's a little different, though. He's almost like a slot receiver. Uh, You know, and so you you add him to the mix uh, as more of a wide receiver. You think about all those years, the the Packers – maybe going defense or, you know, not addressing a wide receiver in the first round all those years for Aaron Rodgers. What if the the Jets says, kind of, okay, you're our quarterback now. We're going to surround you with uh, more firepower, more ways, more guys that you could get the ball in their hands and they can go create, make plays. Dalton Kincaid, he is, you can make the argument he's the best pass catcher in this draft. His ability to go up, uh, isolate the football, and then become a, a, a dynamic threat after the catch is something that uh, is pretty attractive in this draft. And so uh, Dalton Kincaid would be really interesting. I know tight end's not the biggest need on the roster. Wide receiver, not the biggest need on the roster. But, uh, you know, I I think if you're talking about going all in and doing what, you know, trying maybe to surround your quarterback with as much firepower as possible, that would be that type of move. All right, moving on to round two. The Jets had picks 42 and 43. Remember, pick 42 was acquired in the Elijah Moore trade, that is now in possession of the Green Bay Packers. The Jets only have pick 43. So with the 43rd pick in the NFL draft, who do you have the Jets selecting? Keanu Benton uh, from Wisconsin. I, I really love the fit that he provides for this team. Six three and a half, three 310 pounds, uh, basically almost uh, you know a lot of similarities in size to uh, Broderick Jones, but he's a guy that uh, is interchangeable. You know, you want to play him. Uh, over the B gap, he can do that. You want him to play more of a nose where, you know, he's head up over the center or, you know, shading uh, the A gap or the outside shoulder of the center. He can do that as well. So has that power, has the ability to, to work in the middle, but also has quickness where he can win one-on-ones. He can shoot gaps. Um, there, there's a lot to like about Benton and I, just 21 years old for a senior. So he's a younger player, still figuring things out, uh, just, you know, how good he can be. But there's a lot to like about him moving forward and once he gets pro coaching and what's that what, just getting all that talent out of him. So I, I like Benton. If they're looking for defensive line depth, uh, I think Benton gives you that. And I think this makes a lot of sense from a Jets perspective. As it stands, the Jets have Quinn and Williams. They have Quinton Jefferson, who's played both tackle and defensive end. Pretty much a close to a 50-50 split in terms of his snaps last season with the Seahawks. So the Jets lose Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard in free agency. They re-sign Solomon Thomas. But there's not a ton of youth at that position outside of Quinn and Williams, who's basically on the precipice of his second contract in the NFL. And John Franklin Myers has inside-outside versatility. So the, in, the influx of youth here with Benton makes a ton of sense for the Jets. Do you think 
like how pro ready do you think he is? Also knowing that he's going to play in a rotation where he doesn't get a whole bunch of snaps. Could that be a benefit? I think for almost any defensive lineman. No doubt, keeping him fresh. I mean, he uh, he he played a lot of snaps at, at Wisconsin because he was you know th- that nose. He was the guy uh, in the middle of that defensive line. But yeah, you make him part of a rotation, and you know, like I said, he has the power where he can reset the line of scrimmage. He he gives you that. But he also can move outside, and you know he has. And we showed it during the Senior Bowl when he was in one on ones. He has that quickness. He has pass rush potential, uh, where he wasn't asked to do that. He was asked to occupy blocks, take on doubles in college. But when he had a chance to have those one on one opportunities in Mobile, you saw the pass rush potential. So I think that you you have some versatility with him, and you know it's not one of those guys where okay, the offense sees this player coming onto the field. You you know uh, you know what what they're trying to do. This is Benton's a guy that can line up multiple spots on the defensive line. Moving on to round five again, the Jets had a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth before the deal. Now their draft ends after the fifth round as it stands. They have a pair of them. Who are you going with each pick? Let's start with the first one. I have them going, uh, staying on defense and going to the secondary, where they are taking safety Jason Taylor the second out of Oklahoma State. Um, five eleven and a half, two hundred five pounds. You want a guy to get his hands on the football. 13 passes defended, six interceptions last season alone, led the Big 12 in interceptions. Uh, and he tested really well at the combine. Uh, so maybe the size is just more average than above average. Okay, well, this is a guy that ran 4.50, jumped 43 inches. Uh, the 149 10 yard split shows that reaction quickness that he has. Um, he is a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think fits what they want to do in the back half, you know, the way he can run the alley. The, the fast angles that he takes both against the run and against the pass, uh, very aggressive player. Now, sometimes that aggressiveness works against him at times. Uh, that, 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 is a, that will happen. But he's a guy that is smart, athletic, and tough. And in the fourth round, uh, looking for a safety, I think he checks those boxes that this team could be looking for. Also, just funny because the Jets were tormented by a guy named Jason Taylor yes. for a long time. Not related. Well, also, by the way, Jason Taylor was a New York Jet for one point in his career. True. So, the, on a side note, real quick, the Jets have the like one of the greatest all-time teams. If you were just going by like by names and yeah. you went position by position, and let's say you were, let's say they were in their prime, or regardless, the Jets would have a great team because you're looking at Ladainian Tomlinson, yep. Brett Favre, mm-hmm. Michael Vick, Jason Taylor, Ed Reed. Wow. Oh yeah, wow, I forgot about Ed Reed, man. Oh yeah, that's true. Jeez, that's <laughs> I, I, the, the the LT was the one that came to mind uh, first. Was you know yeah you forget I think finished his career up there. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. That's that's it's always interesting when you go back and you realize oh yeah Emmitt Smith played on the Cardinals. You know like I forgot about that or yeah. uh, you know like it, it, it's it's funny how some of these team or players all time greats finish their career. It's like oh, you know Joe Namath played for the Rams. Oh huh forgot about that or you know never realized it so yeah it's interesting okay let's close this baby out it's a seven round mock draft but for the Jets it's really a five round mock draft with the second fifth round pick who are the Jets closing out their 2023 NFL draft with let's go back to the offensive line uh we started with Broderick Jones we're gonna end with another offensive lineman uh kind of an offensive lineman sandwich here uh Joey Fisher Shepard uh division two six four 300 pounds he was a right tackle uh, at the Division II ranks. 
projects better inside a guard. Uh, he's a little bit of an older player. He's already 25 years old. Uh, really fascinating background. Uh, coming out as a senior in high school, he thought he was going to be at Maryland as a defensive end. Coaching change, that changed uh, his, his thinking a little bit. Ends up at Towson. Didn't work out there. He kind of goes home. He, he's actually working with his uh, in the family business as a locksmith. Uh, finds his way to nearby Division II Shepherd. And what he's done the last four years, uh, really three seasons, they didn't play the COVID year. So the last three seasons as a starter at right tackle, big part of that offense uh, helps uh, protect Tyson Bajant, who uh, you know is the all-time leader in, uh, in passing touchdowns in college football history. He has a good chance to be drafted somewhere in the later rounds. And it might be a little bit of a, a contest. Who is the first Shepherd uh, prospect drafted <laughs> this year? And I think there's a good chance it could be Joey Fisher, who is just a, a plug-and-play offensive lineman. There's a lot to like about uh, the play personality, the competitive toughness. Uh, he moves well. He's strong. Uh, his understanding of leverage and drive blocking is outstanding. And uh, this is a, a guy that can, can step in from day one and really provide depth up front. Um, so I like, like I said, Play tackle, right tackle in, in college. I like him better inside a guard. Gives you that versatility that you're that you're banking on, that interior depth. So there's a lot there that I think projects as an NFL starter pretty quickly. With Joey Fisher, one, incredible story. The locksmith thing is awesome. Two, you mentioned the age, and I think it's important to bring this up because Joe Douglas said, I believe it was at the NFL annual league meeting, that part of the reason why he felt like the Jets – in the day three, so last year they drafted Michael Clemens. Part of the reason he said he thought Michael Clemens was able to step in from an early part of his career and contribute was his age. Michael Clemens right now is 25 years old. They drafted him as a 24-year-old. He turned 25 in August. He'll turn 26 this August. What you just said, Joey Fisher, 25 years old, I think a lot of people view that as like, oh, well, he's like an old rookie, not very appealing. But for the Jets, who you said are in win-now mode, with Aaron Rodgers under center to have depth at important positions like offensive line. Do you think that that's almost a leg up for Joey Fisher, seeing all that ball? And I know that he was out for three years, but being more mentally and physically mature than, let's say, a 21-year-old. No doubt. I mean, that's the glass half full approach to this. If he were, say, 21 years old, he's probably not available in the fifth round. So, you know, the Jets aren't drafting him anyways. But the fact that he is a little bit older, that takes him off the board for some teams because they they put a lot of stock in age. Uh, but for a team like the Jets that are in win-now mode and a guy like this who is physically mature, ready to step in from day one and, and give you something, uh, that and again, we're talking about a fifth-round pick here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, a top 100 pick, even a fourth-round pick. This is a later fifth-round pick. So, uh, you know, I think you have to compromise on something. And I'll compromise on age knowing I'm getting a guy with a pro skill set and someone that's going to help me in 2023, not someone that I feel like I have to do all this work and sit, develop. Maybe he turns out, you know, this is a guy I think is ready to step in from day one and at least give me that depth. And if he finds the field, I think he'll be okay. And that is the 2023 New York mock Jets draft class presented by Dane Brugler. Yeah, it's, how do we feel about this? I mean, we, we about it. Let's just skip. Yeah, we'll skip the week. We'll, 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 we'll can you know we don't need a, the actual draft now because we know what's going to happen. So uh, you know, it's. <laughs> I mean, it seems unlikely, right, that they're going to make uh, you know those exact uh, in those spots. Maybe they move around a little bit. There might mm-hmm. be some trades involved. So that obviously will 
uh, you know, mess up my predictions here. But I think that, you know, like when you're doing a mock draft, it's all about, can I defend this pick? And so like I did my seven round mock draft, can I defend each one of these picks? And I made sure that every pick I made, I could defend some way, some shape or form. Um, whether it's, you know, the need is there, this is the type of player that these teams go after. And with the Jets, I think that, you know, the, the selections we made uh, are all based off of what this team looks for, what they value, the, the current state of the roster and the ways that we know they want to build for the future. So um, I, I think if they came out with this haul, they, they would feel pretty good about, uh, you know, it's not last year, La- you know, last year, three first round picks, two top 10 guys. Uh, it's not last year. And so, they, you know, obviously you have to have expectations, but based off of what the ammo they have going into draft weekend, I think the draft or Jets fans would feel pretty good if this is the draft hall um, that, that New York came out of it with. Especially positionally. what The positions that you hit on in this mock draft, to me, check a lot of boxes, not only for what the Jets could potentially want this year, but also set themselves up for 2024 and beyond, which is scary to think about because we're still not even halfway through 2023. The draft is a couple days away. Let's enjoy it while we can. And next time we talk, Dane, the Jets will have a new draft class and we can analyze as far as we want. And that is exciting. I hope you have, you're you going to Kansas City, right? I'll be in Kansas City. Uh, I've already started scouting the barbecue. Uh, yep. You know, that's a, that's a big part of this. We got to make sure we're you know being efficient with our time and hitting up the right spots. So uh, that's that's uh, you know that's an important part of the plan. But uh, yeah, we'll be doing a live show down there on the Athletic with uh, you know me, Robert Mays, Nate Tice, and uh, on the Athletics. So that'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be an unpredictable first round, and obviously that'll shape what happens on day two, day three. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I feel like from a draft analyst perspective, an unpredictable draft means it'll be a more fun draft. It means you're going to get some authentic reactions. It's going to be fantastic. And you're going to get some authentic barbecue. So I need a review not only on the Jets draft next week, but also the Kansas City barbecue. What, What we liked, what we didn't like, and what, uh, you know what? This is what, this is what I need. I need like a, uh, a draft grade, not in terms of letter, you know, like a five, seven, six, seven, seven, seven. I need a draft grade on Kansas city barbecue as a whole. I think, I think we can make it happen. Uh, yeah, I'll try, I, you know, the, the scout in me will want to write reports and all that, but I'll try not to. Um, but yeah, uh, we got to grade it. We got to, well, where the, where they get better, where, uh, you know, maybe we will find a, a true blue chipper in there. Um, yeah, I'm excited to look yep. that that's quite part of the fun is, uh, actually, you know, looking and, uh, that part of it. So yeah, it's uh Kansas city. I, I doubt they'll disappoint. So, uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, Dane, enjoy your time in Kansas City, and we'll talk to you next week when we analyze the Jets' draft class. Can't wait. Thanks, Ethan.